0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 674, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you.
1: Are these times contagious? I've never been this bored before. Is this the prize i waited for? Hello, welcome to
0: iFanboy's Pick of the Week. This is episode 674. I'm Josh Flanagan, and this is my co-host Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Josh. Hi. I'm How gonna you? I'm gonna work on enunciating your name differently and yeah. putting the emphasis on different syllables from now on. Cool. I Kilpatrick. <laughs> we are iFanboy. And every week, we, I won't, <laughs> Don't do we that. read a stack of comics and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick. And if we have some time, uh, hopefully some listener mail. The idea here is one of entertainment, uh, enjoyment, mirth, fun, uh, a good time. You, uh, However, if you haven't read the books and you're like, oh, I don't want to know what happens, you won't have a good time unless that's sort of not important to you. This is your spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about what happens in the books. Uh, the rest of it's on you, Connor. You had the pick this week. Uh, after you had spent eight nine minutes reading your stack of
1: books, what'd you come up with? Yeah, it was weird. I kept looking at the calendar to see if it was a fifth week, but it's we're smack dab in the middle of the month, and it was a weirdly light week, but not a bad one. I, I ended no. up having about four books legitimately. I could have made the pick of the week, and that was like a third of what I read. Mm-hmm. So every three books, I was like, "Oh, that was really good." So, in that sense, it, it was fine. It wasn't quite the, bu- the week we had last week where we were tripping for ourselves to extol the virtues of comics. <laughs> it was still a really good week. This, the pick ended up being, after some deliberation, cover number six, the final issue from Brian Michael Bendis, David Mack, or Orzu, and Carlos M. Mangual. This is a super self-indulgent book. I, I totally will concede that. However, it is fascinating I loved the way that this final issue in, in the kind of M.C. Escher-esque twist on itself came around and had the, the story sort of finish itself but then became the comic we were reading kind of. And it was one of those kind of modern meta books that I really enjoyed. I just love that Bendis figured out a way to sort of chronicle life as a comic creator while also telling a spy story and really you know this felt very authentic you i felt like the yes. conversations especially in this issue where the creators are all having their dinner at the con was, hmm. was, were probably things that have been said word for word verbatim yeah. at other dinners that shows I, I mean
0: we've been to those dinners enough times to be like that feels real you know, yeah, you just, you, is,
1: you just felt like this is a this is a conversation they've had before. But this was a great issue. So as the story's been going, and I'm just going to call them by their the people they're clearly based on. So David Mack has <laughs> been this comic creator who was recruited by the CIA to be a spy. He had a confrontation with Esad Ribic, who was a sp- apparently a spy for, like, was it Turkey or something? Uh, yeah. And uh, so they had a big physical conversation a couple of issues ago in which... David Mack basically shamed Isad Ribic by saying, Jack Kirby would be punching you in this scenario. In the last issue, the, the CA set up a fake Comic-Con in Brazil in order to flush Isad Ribic out and try to turn him. And so here they're all having, a, there's a big comic creator dinner and everybody we've seen throughout the series is there, including the, the Bendis character and the David Walker character. But in the midst of that dinner, they're, while they're talking about movies and, and comics and things, there's a very uh, tense conversation happening between Mack and, and Ribic. I love that conversation and I love that he that Ribbick was mostly upset that Mac brought up Jack Kirby <laughs> and then I really loved that the story you know he tells the story of how he got Ribbick got brought into being a spy and how he had money trouble and and then <laughs> Mac finds out that he's Ribic's being paid for his spy work where he's not being paid for it and that was fun. <laughs> He ends up turning Ribic over to the CIA. And it was a really nice conclusion. And then Ribic puts out a book called Cover with the cover of this issue on the, as the cover of the book. And it's, st- and it's pages from this issue are in this book and sort of the fictionalized version of what they just lived through. And I just thought this was really terrific. And we talked about David Mack's art throughout this discussion of this book and the, all the different styles he gets to employ. And it just this was, this was a fun surprise. And I really love the way that they wrapped up the whole story here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I started to wonder. there was two two things that happened. Actually, that should be noted is that you we what we do is uh, we talked about this. We, you send the list. The person who has the pick of the week sends the list of the books they want to talk about, and I, you know, we go the the other person then goes through that and says what they want to add and how they want to put it in there. And I was reading through and I was like, that's weird. He didn't put a cover in here. And I looked up and I oh, it's pick of the week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it like, was a very little little bit of math, and I was like. Yeah, that is the choice because sometimes when it's not the pick of the week, I don't put – when I don't have it, I don't put any thought into sure. what my pick of the week would be sometimes. And and as soon as I saw it, I'm, yeah, that's the one. That's that's correct. The other thing that I was thinking as I did this like – and this may not be valid, but I was wondering about the, what, if anything, this sort of spy story is supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. And specifically what the girl is supposed to represent. His handler? Yeah, because she's very—I oh, want to like literary—and she, you know, like like she not, doesn't have a name. She's very ephemeral. It very much seems like it's some sort of literary symbolism, and I don't know that I know what it is. And and maybe I'm wrong, you know. But I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out if he's trying to say something else here that I can't figure out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't and know. I don't I don't know if there's enough here to figure that out. Does it represent? For example, you know, like, you know, if you're a comic book person, it is a really, like, you've achieved a dream. You're 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 living out the thing you want to. But at the same time, like, you are in a room by yourself most of the time. People, you know, idolize you and they say great things about you. But it's such a small group of people. Like, you, like, am I making an impact on the world? You know, am well, it is. I, am it I... is
1: a. Representation of comic creation as a higher calling which it' it is a high calling it's a creation of art which is which is as high a calling as you can get in my opinion, but here it's a literal high calling which he's helping to save the world, and at the end he's given a totem as his sort of reward is that he gets a pencil that that she says was owned by Jack Kirby in a box right. and it's it's presented like this you know magical gift and he hold, he holds it up almost like excalibur at the end and mm-hmm. you know that to me would be the only thing really here is is sort of comic creation as as influential in the world which it is but i, I it's hard because there's, there's only six issues and a lot of it's spent doing spy stuff so i don't i didn't really yeah. get I mean, if there was a deeper literary meaning here than bendis thought it'd be really fun to be a spy because you're constantly on the road when you're a comic creator and different all over yeah the world.
0: i i mean I, I tend to give people more credit than that i guess especially him since he's you know like I, I i mean it's not even like what it stands for but what he's really trying to say what it what it was that Spurred this on because it it felt like it was a little deeper than just like it wasn't this fun, but maybe that is it, and th- that wouldn't be wrong either. It just, and that to me makes the text worthwhile, whether he intended it or not. And right. that last page with that Kirby pencil is interesting because then he immediately deflates it with, the Kirby was like, "There's no magic in the pencil. Right. It's just a pencil. Yeah. I just do the work. I use the thing." You know, which is which again speaks to the creative process, especially of a comic book person who reveres Jack Kirby. But you know, the real secret to Kirby is that he, worked all the time a lot and hard you know he had imagination he had talent but so much of that also just came from you know nose to the grindstone kind of thing shoulder
1: nose or shoulder both of those shoulder, go to the grindstone both can go okay. to the grindstone depending on how uh, how hard you want to grind but the <laughs> i mean the, it also that's kind of the way comics are now as a culture right in terms of people who make them and read them is that you know in the 60s they were ter- they were they were churning them out as a as a workaday job and then now we sort of revere that time and are constantly trying to recreate it. There's, I mean, there's a bit in the middle where they're talking at the at the dinner table, the background conversation about, you know, what is a homage? You know, shouldn't we stop trying to do our homage to Kirby and just do our own thing? Wouldn't that be the ultimate homage to Kirby? So there is that conversation. Yeah, and that applies to not just this or whatever.
0: I always think of – it's a great creative conversation by creatives. Yeah. It's, it's really – I mean, like there's a spy story in the middle. Maybe that's it though.
1: It's, yeah, I mean this ultimately could just be, you know – the call for more original stuff yeah but bendis is also doing this while doing superman so it's you know and that's the, probably the push and pull within him i really love there's a bit
0: there's a couple of panels about kirby hacks like guys who try to do kirby but fail and some fail in a great way and some fail yeah. in a bad way and he's like that guy was terrible at his kirby hack but it made something beautiful that conversation super interesting to me yes it's honestly, think if you'd just done a book about dudes hanging out at the con talking about their, you know, uh, idiosyncrasies and their and their worries about their work, then
1: <laughs> it would be just as good. Yeah, the spy story was fun. The twist in the comic world made it more enjoyable. Easton Rubik beating up David Mack tied to a chair was funny, a couple of issues ago. And mm-hmm. then I thought this just wrapped up in a really interesting and fun way, and, and it really gives you a glimpse into what's going on in the heads of the people who are making the books.
0: Yeah. Also, plot wise. I think it was interesting that at the end, Esa Ribic did what they said, and it wasn't like a fight. There wasn't a confrontation. There was yeah. comic book talk that sort of brought people back together. Yeah, which again, that feels like there's more symbolism in there. I gotta get Bendis on the show because <laughs> <laughs> I have questions and, I, and they need to be answered, or maybe they don't need to be answered. That's the thing. Did you think that the that Max art style in this? Was different than the. other. I was like, is this the same? I mean, I know he switches between styles with reckless abandon. But I felt like this one was a little different. And well, I way. looked
1: to see if it was if it was another artist, but there wasn't one listed. Because previously there was there was a, another artist who did I think the Rubik pages. Huh. Here it was all Mac according to the credit page. Especially the last page looks totally unlike Mac. It looks almost like, uh, like Stokoe or something. Some somebody.
0: Yeah, just like just seemed different in terms of even how he'd been doing the other pages. I didn't know that about the other about the other artist. Yeah, there was, was
1: one issue where they had where they showed all those Rubik that would you know mm-hmm. based on Thor pages that were not sure Mac. It was somebody else. I don't remember who it was. That makes sense. So the first wave of Jinx World books that Ben has put out when he moved over to DC are now wrapping up. United States versus Murder Inc. wrapped up. Pearls wrapping up. So then we're gonna get. I, I, I assume some more at some point.
0: The thing about these that is great. I don't think these books are for everybody. No. And I don't necessarily think they're all raging successes. But what does make me really happy about them is that, you know, Bendis, Bendis was the guy. You know, he was, you know, Francis Ford Coppola You know, in the 60s. Yeah. And then he did a bunch of stuff that was pretty good. Be like, well, where was that other guy? And this, this shakeup in his life, this move to D.C. and the sort of – at the freedom that they gave him and sort of the license. Plus, you know, he nearly died. Right. I you know I don't want to speak to that and say that that's actually what happened, but the combination of those things saw a guy come out that was really pretty re-energized, and you can see in the work. And it's like, oh, that this guy still has everything. You know, this is like when Miller came back and he did like Starlight and all those books around that time. You're like, yep. oh, you know, right. that's that's why he is who he is. It's it's still there, and that's always really cool to see. Yep.
1: So another book from Dennis this week, Superman number nine, drawn by Ivan Rees and Brandon Peterson together was also a contender. At first it was a little confusing. I guess mm-hmm. Super- Superman has some sort of waking dream. Yeah. Uh, which features all of some sort of future in which there's everyone's at peace and they've got kids and then there's some sort of uh, attack and people start dying and he wakes up from that dream and oh yeah, my son's back and he's telling me a story and then Jonathan continues to tell the story about ending up with uh, on the crime syndicate earth and being trapped by Ultraman. In a volcano for for some unknown amount of time, long enough for him to grow long hair. You know, the waking dream was interesting, but I was a little confused. I thought I'd missed something, and then yes, it wasn't explained. Obviously, it'll it'll come back later because you don't do something that drastic unless it'll come into effect later on. But I really enjoyed the the sequence with Superman, not Superman, but Ultraman and uh, Jonathan on, in the volcano and the weird relationship they had. And and uh, I may not love Jonathan, but I, I thought this whole bit was interesting
0: yes. I, I'm sort of, I'm like a half and half on it. Like when you mentioned the issue just now, I thought, yeah. And then I thought about the bits in the volcano and how they sort of, I don't really like the crime syndicate stuff, but this was done in a way that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how it would go. There'd be like an extreme would be like, okay, that was a good bizarro story. It's not that right. bad. I don't, I don't hate it as much as bizarro, but like, I feel like all the stuff that was going on on earth was more interesting than that. And that's what we were working towards. And now we're doing this story again, which fine it's part of the big story yeah but i mean like sort of the the bit where um he was like and then he would talk to me and then he would cry and i knew if he cried then he wouldn't be back for a long time and i was like
1: that's pretty good that's <laughs> that's some hbo shit this is the you know italian mob boss version of superman and he <laughs> was almost like he's the only the, he, he was his only friend basically one place he could go and talk about his feelings and then was the, this yeah. guy trapped in the volcano and then he would well, run away that's that's what was interesting about it was that he took him and
0: it wasn't entirely clear why right you know or what he was going to do with him or what the threat was and and it was <laughs> it's going to talk him to death <laughs> and keep him in the volcano and you
1: know it was a real sort of super villain trap that he yeah. was stuck in so it was good yeah i mean it was a solid issue uh, as we said many times i think i think Action's is the, the better book of the two but this, I, this is an interesting... I like the crime syndicate. I've always liked the crime syndicate. So it's, uh, hopefully it's not six issues of him, you know, with every member of the crime syndicate. That, I think that's the thing I'm
0: worried about. Like a yep. little time with them is okay, but too much will get old fast.
1: The cliffhangers him with, with the superwoman, who is Lois Lane in this world. So hopefully it's just those two and not all of them. One mm-hmm. more issue is fine. As, as long as yep. we learn something that happened, important that happened. We still need to resolve the whole URL thing. I mean I don't fire him into the sun and call it a day. Or just make it go away and never deal with it again. Yeah.
0: I, I'm I'm fine with that too. But they mentioned him again. It's it's like the Peter Parker baby. Just
1: <laughs> Just forget it ever happened. Yep. I mean, listen, we know Bendis has a history of this, it. not like he's it's not like he's against it. <laughs> just true. Stick Gerl in that closet and call it a yep. day.
0: While you're in that closet though, just Yeah, tell us what <laughs> anything... tell us what else is in there. If you see anything yeah. in there. Did you read
1: Shuri number six? Nah, I think I started to read this initially,
0: and I was like, I'm I'm not really interested in this.
1: Well, what was interesting about this particular issue was that this is the first of two comics we're going to talk about this week that were done by fill-in creative teams, and they just did one-shot stories. Mm -hmm. And so this one was written by Vida Ayala and and drawn by Paul Davidson, and it was a one-issue team-up between Shuri and Miles Morales. The meeting of two Oscar winners. It was really fun. At first, I was thrown off because of the different voice uh, I didn't necessarily think uh, Vida Ayala got the character voices down, but in, after a while, it didn't bother me so much, and the art was very, very different. The first page actually was strange. It wasn't like the rest of the book, so when I you know, saw the first page, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of standard and kind of boring. But then once you got past that, it got really stylized and interesting and very indie-bent. Hmm. And they have a really just a really fun team-up where Shiri's on the trail of this black hole that keeps opening up on Earth, and she goes to Brooklyn to find some clues, and so she runs into Spider-Man or Miles Morales Spider-Man and they have a, you know, classic superhero team up and these two characters are really fun together. It looked really cool. It was really, I loved the art a lot once once I got past the beginning and uh, a very different sort of take. It reminded me a lot of the way that uh, Power Man and Iron Fist looked in Mm -hmm. that very stylized, you know, way. It was cool. It was a really fun issue. And at the end, it's not over yet because at the end, Ms. Marvel shows up, so... Clearly, we're having a little, little young hero team-up going on here in Brooklyn. I would, this is definitely worth checking out. It's, I thought this might have been the best issue so far. I've been enjoying it, but this is a fun issue. Okay.
0: Yes, I was going to say you've definitely been reading it. Sure he is
1: through. a cool character, but ultimately being involved in the machinations of Wakanda is not as interesting to me. But here she's in the rest of the Marvel Universe interacting with other characters, and that's more interesting to me.
0: I think I was basically to me, yeah. Sure, it was a cool character, but I, I'm really interested in that book.
1: Well, it looks like Same. from the uh, teaser page that the re- the regular creative team returns with issue eight, so I assume that this is just a quick two issue team up story. So this mm. this is we're checking out six and seven. If people enjoyed, uh, you know, people enjoyed Miles Morales or enjoyed Into the Spider Verse or or Black Panther, and check out check out these two issues. I think you'll enjoy them. Do it. Finally, Wonder Twins. I'm bummed out. I just didn't see it, and I didn't, I didn't read it. Oh, man. This I, was the I, issue I read last, oh. and this was the one that was probably the closest to being picked other than cover six. I mean, we're, I know we've coined the phrase and we're kind of getting sick of it, but this is super Mark russell Uh-huh. Totally getting sick of it. In which he does not a deep dive, but he does as deep a dive you can do in 20 pages on the prison system in America using <laughs> the idea of, you know, you fight the supervillain, they go into prison. They come back out. You fight them. They go back to the prison. It's sort of the revolving door of prison life. And, you know, privatized prisons, and Lex Luthor owns these prisons, and they end up working for him for cheap. So the Wonder Twins, go on a, they go to a prison on a school tour, and they get kicked out because they're asking too many questions because they don't have prisons on their planet. And, you know, it's, it's just the device for Mark Russell to do that. But he introduces some fun new villains here. The first one is the Scrambler, who has an egg as a logo on his chest, which is great. My favorite one, though, who's the main sort of focus of the story is, uh, well, they call him Druncula, but his name is his name is Baron Nightblood. He's a vampire who, when he bites you, he also absorbs the alcohol in your body. So, and he's an alcoholic, so he's going around attacking drunks. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's actually really sad uh, because he's a sure. he's, he's thirty days sober here and they keep wanting him his 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 team which is like the the B team for the Legion of Doom the Legion of Annoyance they keep wanting him to like attack drunk people and he doesn't want to do it and then they gets put in prison but there's no cells left and so he ends up in the drunk tank and so it's actually in a sad place but it gets it takes a funny way to get there mm-hmm. it's super mark russely which is terrific but it's uh it's you know it's get we're saying it a lot because he's writing a lot of books right now.
0: Yeah, and and he's getting better.
1: Yes, I, you know I'm da- I'm down with his brand, so that's cool. And here that's he's, he's just... smack dab at the DCU, so he's, you know, Garfield Logan is like, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. We we beat, beat him up, put him in prison, and then they come out. We beat also, him up again. I think what's
0: what's cool about him too is that we can we can he can he can work in other styles. Sure. It's like it's it's not like, oh, he's got this one trick. He does this trick a lot because, A, you know, really hasn't overstated its welcome in any way, you know. Right. But, you know, it's the thing you can do. But, you know, good. I'm, I'm you know, really in retrospect, like we found this dude. Well, we didn't find him. But we, I mean, ourselves found him out of nowhere from that Prez book that I was like, oh, Prez, I like that character. And, and you know, like, oh, you all need to read this. And we all start reading and then we all start reading The Flintstone. Like I, I like that other people have recognized it. Which yeah. There's another book coming up here, which is going to be the same thing later. Same story, basically, uh, the last book that we'll be talking about today. But, you know, it's, good, it's a good world where he's getting work. Are you reading uh, Old
1: Man Quill still? No, I dropped off after that first issue.
0: I don't blame you for that. Yeah. I don't I don't blame you for that. I really want to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Old Man Hawkeye so much. And it is one of those things where, you know, again, Ethan Sachs is this guy, who presumably came out of nowhere and, and crafted this sort of letter-perfect miniseries. And either he decided to do it again or somebody else decided to do it again. And I find Peter Quill a, a much less attractive.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's the way the, of the comic. So, some, yes, you assume old man Hawkeye is successful because they did this book. So if it's successful, let's do another one. And then, well, Peter Quill is a popular movie character. So let's do him. And and, you know, he's fine, but he's not Hawkeye. No. Also, nothing against Robert Gill, but he's not Marco Cicciotto. So there's a lot of elements here that aren't as attractive that is
0: exactly it's just it's not as good of a, a package it's it's uh, it's like you're gonna do it again
1: but it won't be as good it's you know and, it's the it's the too many clones in multiplicity you know yeah. it's yeah we're, we're getting down to the uh the clone of the clone situation sometimes with, this, with these books and there are a couple of things where and i know we talked about this in the first issue
0: but it i don't understand why peter quill is an older i guess he wanted to cry sleep. was that it yes like, I yeah. keep forgetting he's older though, because he basically looks the same but with a beard. And then, you know, I really like how uh, Gamora looks older. I think mm-hmm. that's like they did her really well. She kind of looks middle aged but still fit. And this one is the world where they're actually on the the old man world. Right, they crashed.
1: A they crashed the end of one on yep. the old man world. Well, it's a lot better
0: than than the other ones. This base. This one basically works like a. It's a Western, like he comes into town and he, he beats some people up and then they bring back thousands of others and then they get captured and sent to the fighting pits of, for doom or something like that. The one thing that struck me, and this is not a criticism because I don't think they're doing anything wrong with it, uh, is that these characters are all clearly the versions from the movie. Yeah. You know, like like Sax is writing a, 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 a note perfect uh, Bradley Cooper rocket raccoon. The Drax here is the movie Drax and those are... Drax specifically is very different in the movie than the comics,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I notice it; it makes me it makes me think of it. It takes me out of a little bit to notice that he's doing it. I would I kind of want the Marvel universe one to stay Marvel universe one, but I, that's I know that's not realistic. So finally, they get into this big fighting arena. You know, that's fun. It was in Thor three, but whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: they have to fight uh, Fin Fang Foom. And that's the last page, and so at that bit, I was like, all right, that's cool. I'm um, <laughs> they're gonna fight Fin Fang Foom. All right, they no, gotcha. I'm, I'm down with that. And then the the other bit is that uh, there's a character in here who I didn't like. They had put an emphasis on, and she walks out of the shadows, and it's I think it's Clint's daughter hmm. from the last series. So, what is the
1: story in this series? The, the Hawkman was all about getting revenge on the Thunderbolts. What is the story of Old Man Quill? That's a good question. Uh, Peter Quill's family
0: was killed by this religious cult thing that he warned everybody not to deal with, and then. He escaped. I don't remember why he went to this world. I feel like they crashed on it. I don't know why he's with the Guardians again, but I do know that the religious cult people are chasing him in the same way that, like, Bullseye was chasing. Jesus, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he clears out a bar of ruffians, and the whole world has lost its hope, and the woman who runs the bar gives him a gift for what she did, and it's one gun because her great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was the two-gun kid, mm-hmm. um, but they lost the other so Peter gets the revolver. That's funny. Um, yeah, no, it's like that's a nice touch. So there are thi- there are things in here to like. Uh, overall, as a package, it isn't quite wholly developed, but I'm, I'm not really ready to drop it. I, f- I feel like there's a good chance it will be, you know, worth it in the end at least.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, all right, three and a half. Three and a half. That's almost four. Uh, I'm trying to be. Not- I think on
0: its own it would be, but compared to the old man Hawkeye stories, it suffers. That's yeah, what it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. I Think on its own. I don't think it's bad, I but it's you. not as good. I gotcha do you like this kind of talk, people who are listening right now? Do you think, oh man, I want to make sure that this never goes away? Well, good news. Here's how you can do that. Actually, that's not a guarantee that it will never stop. I can't make that. <laughs> Although I can tell you right now, we clearly don't know how to stop. So crazy. <laughs> Go to patreoncom Um Help support this show. Help support other shows you like too. Other other you know ventures and things like that. But you know, maybe this one first because you know, we're biased on that. That's yeah. patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, we've got various goals. We have lived up to some of them. The next stretch goal is, uh, boy, we've been hanging out here for a while. You're probably sick of hearing this, and if not, why wouldn't you just pay to get rid of it? Just just go ahead and donate. Next stretch goal is a monthly non-comics media podcast, uh, and then we'll get to work uploading all the full-length video shows and minis to our YouTube channel and re them on the website. Some are very old now. is yeah. is I did that show 10 years ago. No shit, some of the we did design those to be evergreen, though, um so really, the content in them is true. We are just far more stupid and thin <laughs> in those shows, but it turns out we weren't so bad with graphics in retrospect less back pain, yeah, ah, to yeah, joint, joint yeah. pain just you know, I'd never had acid reflux back then. <laughs> Uh, you could do that so make sure to go check out patreon.com/ ifanboy. Again the idea there is you're seeing it all over the web with people trying to you know it's, it's hard to do this kind of thing at a high professional level uh, with the other commitments that we have because you can't make a living just from doing this thing. but by doing things like Patreon by doing you know buying some of the other things we have, you help support that and you make it justifiable for us to be able to spend as much time on it um, and do a good job, which is really all we want to do. We want to do a really good job we want to have fun um, we thank everybody who does that. Uh, that's sort of this really cool part of the internet when so much of it is a burning hellscape. <laughs> but not ifanboy.threadless.com No, not at all No, we have t-shirts and and, and uh, tchotchkes that you can buy from there I used the word tchotchke to somebody the other day who was 23 and just looked at me like I was making up words and I was like, no, it's Yiddish Oh, <laughs> um, There's seven designs in the store now uh, make, yourself, make sure you get yourself a nothing makes sense nothing matter uh, Phone case, that's what I think you should do mm-hmm. I think everybody needs this and a t-shirt You should get three or four items that say that so people really embrace your nihilism Um <laughs> Uh, get over there and check those out. There are uh, we are in the draft stages of the next sort of batch of shows. Uh, that we hope to uh, shirts, items, logos, slogans, these things that, that you can get from Threadless uh, throughout the year. So that's definitely moving forward. You can also just if you don't want to deal with any of that, you don't want the commitment, you don't want to, you're already hooked up, you're at PayPal. Just do can I do something there? Yes, you can go to slash support You will find a direct donation link uh, to PayPal. And finally, uh, perhaps the easiest of all, if you go to slash amazon uh, you will find links there to to Amazon. And then you will always find links to buy the books that we talk about on our Books Explode podcast. If you um, want to pick it up afterwards, or you want to you know you, you want to go back and listen while you're while you're reading it so you know what we're talking about uh you can do that there and again for all of those things thank you so much everybody who's done it everybody who's
1: even thought about it thank you so much but get yourself over the line now let's move along Catwoman number nine this is the second comic in which the regular creative team took a breather and another one stepped in to do a one issue story ram v was the writer john timms on art josh reed on letters very confused with the cover i was like v L's V. I know. <laughs> this was a one issue Heist story called The Cha Cha. Did you like it? I liked it. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to like it. And at first I was like, I don't like this. But then by the end, it's like, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, I was at first,
0: I went, I've been on the fence about this book. I think it's really yep. good, but I
1: don't know if I'm interested in it.
0: I, I think the art is a lot better than the story in a lot of cases. Yep. And I saw this and I think – the only reason I started reading it was because I couldn't tell. I was like, is Joel Jones still writing this? Well, the thing was the credits page wasn't the last page, so, so – It was halfway through it and I was like, well, here we are. And it was definitely a different – it was definitely not Joel Jones writing yeah. and drawing. no. Not that that was bad. I thought the heist thing – that part was interesting. It was a little been there, done that, I think. And then the sort of way that the – I don't know, like the like the last page wrap-up. Here's what we did. You know, it's that's a heist – you know standard that's what it should be but it, it was it was rushed like they had this big idea and then we're like shit we have to wrap it up
1: well they only have 20 pages to do it i know
0: that but that's you know that's why people are experienced and good and that's why some people are newer at it not you know not really a fault but it
1: is a fault to a certain extent but i, I noticed it but overall pretty enjoyable yeah i mean that i think it was the i think once the heist began i was more into it In the beginning i was like eh, i don't know if yeah. i like any of this and
0: yep yeah, you're
1: right. Clearly, it's only like four pages, but that's that's like that's like I, a lot of the books. I know we need to move over, but there was one thing that
0: I thought, are we introducing a new love interest here? And I literally thought, and I still do, I was like, too soon. <laughs> it is like I you know, like a cute dude comes along, and I guess you'd ever but come on, like the one thing that was interesting is that she's sort of fighting over getting over Batman. Now again, I am completely contradicting myself. This might be sort of intersexism, I guess, because like I don't want to see Batman being all sad about a,
1: a woman. And I'm like, Catwoman, come on. You're going to find a better guy than Batman? <laughs> this yachts, what's well, his name Hadley or something like that? Let me, let me be honest. I love Batman. There's a lot of better guys than Batman, especially for no, to be in a relationship with. Yeah, but you wouldn't get over him fast. No, you wouldn't. That's,
0: that's what I'm saying. It, it, because he's fucked up.
1: Yeah, that's true. She likes it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, she's fucked up too. You know what? You're right. She's totally going to make that mistake, but he's a loser. That's my point.
1: So this is the first issue of the Hunted story, The Amazing Spider-Man number seventeen. We, sixteen was the pick of the week. That was the prelude to the Hunted, and then we had sixteen point HU because <sighs> fucking Marvel. So nothing uh, matters. This is the first issue, actually, of the story, written by Nick Spencer, drawn by Humberto Ramos. We haven't talked about it because you were not on the show for the last issue, but I really, you know, love whenever Craven shows up in this issue, and the last issue really focused on Black Cat and this issue as well, and I really like I like Black Cat and Spider-Man's messy relationship. I do too. I think in some ways she's more interesting with him than Mary Jane is. Sure, It's the very sort of standard girlfriend wife of a superhero role. You know, Black Cat Thanks. is some ways his equal and she's bit morally ambiguous and so it's an interesting it's like Catwoman and Batman you know it's like dwarf, which is almost exactly what it is but it's it's interesting so I like that she's a major part of this and then there was a twist at the end which Spider-Man gets knocked out and he wakes up in the black outfit which is what he was wearing when Craven first showed up back in Kraven's last hunt and so at first I was like oh weird and I was like no this this is awesome and also I had to admit to myself this is that was one of the few times even as a, though in the beginning as a kid I didn't love it at first the design of that black suit is so fucking good that eventually I got over it. Yeah. As a kid, because it's such a, it's such a, and you know, Venom co-opted it, but man, it's a good fucking suit. Well, I mean, it, it makes it really clear,
0: like why why they had to come up with Venom, because you had to put Spider-Man back in his regular suit. Yep. But that design was so good, <laughs> you know that, you know, and, and that actually evoked a spider way more than his regular one does. For sure. And also, super easy for artists to draw. No more <laughs> webbing, no more muscular. Don't discount that economics element in there,
1: too. By the way, because sure. your
0: books are moving faster when there's there's
1: no lines. And back them. then, they didn't have all the the yeah. computer coloring. They just just fill it in with blacks. Yep. Yep. No cheats. <laughs> I've never read Craven's Last Hunt. That's good. It's good. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. We were talking about that for the last issue, in that because that story is such was such a big deal at the time. That to me, whenever he shows up, it's a big deal. Even if it's just my ten-year-old lizard brain feeling that way.
0: Yeah, ironic you use that phrase. <laughs> I like Your the chance. setup.
1: I like arcades, you know, giant death trap and Craven's family, and the. I mean, clearly it's a big deal because they're going full out with it. It's basically gonna, a weekly book now at this point until the story finishes. Mm-hmm. And they said at the end that this is the fir- this was the this was the main thing that Nick Spencer pitched them when he when he was. Asked to write the book, so this is clearly what he's been building towards. This story,
0: you know, it's it's it's. Um, I'm going to keep going on the sides like this, but I, I want to give credit where due. It's interesting to me that like Nick Spencer was not a bad writer at any point. He no. sort of came, in, he had a lot of projects, but like he's a guy who who keeps getting better. Like mm-hmm. we talked about how Bendis was like, oh, we're seeing this Bendis again. Bendis was who he was from day one. Uh, Spencer's the sort of the opposite. Like he just keeps getting better. Like this is he keeps he keeps getting on project. And you're like, oh man, he was made for this book. But right now, like he's made for this book.
1: I think part of the part of it is that he's being put on or doing books that are really appropriate for his voice, whereas Captain America mm-hmm. was not appropriate for his voice. Yeah, Spider Man's appropriate. The fix that his yep. book and image is appropriate. Like this is this is the more, yeah. the dirtier side. Superior Foes of Spider Man sort of thing is is more mm-hmm. appropriate to him. And
0: but this still this still Spider Man. Like it's not like oh yeah. it's yeah. it's not like Mark Russell doing Spider Man to use a tired thing. It's, <laughs> it's Spider Man.
1: And Spider Man, the stakes keep getting bigger with this particular story. Mm-hmm. you know he's, he's you know peter's trapped with all these villains that hate him and then on top of that at the very end a bunch of you know a um, mercenary show up who, who not exactly who they are to, to kill everyone so now they kind of all have to team up and it's i, I
0: it's great. really like the way that that all rolled out because yeah. we we're like what what is craven up to and you know what is he doing with all these rich people and like oh they're gonna get killed and i was like he doesn't care like it's 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 fun. It's it's sort of multifaceted. I think I can see how that was his big story. That's and that's another thing Spencer's good at is sort of like here's the whole thing.
1: Yeah, this was really good. This is another one that was in the hunt as well, ironically. Runaways number
0: nineteen wanted to touch on real quick. One of the things that's interesting is that Alex came back. He was the the kid originally. Mm-hmm, the villain. Yep. Uh you know, one of their friends, and he's the one who was like, Wait, our parents were right, and so he and then he died at a certain point. He shows up and stuff. He showed up in um Power Man of 950 was resurrected from the yep. death. Rainbow Roll, she's got a real good handle on who these characters are. Mm-hmm. And, and she added in a thing here where uh, basically the little girl wants to leave them, the runaway. She wants to run away from the runaways and go with Alex, and he doesn't want her to go. And they're they're sort of putting him in this, like, he did bad stuff before, but now he's, he's a little more ambiguous. Like, is he a bad guy? Is he not? You know, what's he just trying to do? Is he just thoughtful in a way that makes him seem evil you know or is he and i i I really like that i i I like that idea um and then at one point she's like do you have powers you must have powers and he's like no i don't have powers and then somebody is creepy to the girl uh, on the bus and she he touches the person and like the background changes and the person looks freaked out and she's like what was that that's a power and he's like when people touch me it's like touching a corpse Hmm. and then you realize that he's completely covered up you know and he doesn't want anybody to touch him, and then she does it at some point and it creeps her out. She's like, That was so cool! And it's just a really cool idea rendered really neatly in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they're developing the story. And again, have, I've said this a bunch of times, but 19 issues in this feels like the runaways. At no point have I ever thought when I was reading this, oh, This isn't the one I like. This, if you liked those early Brian Vaughn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Brian Vaughn, Runaways, this is like that. Uh, it's right in that spirit, and it's, it's, it's existing. It's in the Marvel Universe, and it recognizes the things that those characters have gone on to do, but it's it's still off to the side a little bit like the original Runaways was. I'm going to ring the bell for that one because I really like
1: that. The Flash 66, Joshua Williams, art by Scott Collins, was another, another sort of one-shot, and it was more like a prelude issue, that focused on the original trickster, James Jesse, who we haven't really seen. He's been usurped by the younger trickster character, but here we learn his backstory and where he's been this whole time. And then he reasserts himself to reenter the, the DC universe and, you know, take control of the, of the rogues and all this stuff. And this issue is sort of like Joshua Williamson's run of flash in one issue in that there was some really interesting and fun things here. And then there was some really sort of bizarrely badly written parts, like really over the top. And I feel like his run has been a tale of two books. So where we really enjoyed it for the first I mean, it's been 66 issues. I don't remember when he's, you know, what, how many, how long Jeez. it's been, but oh, it's been 66 issues of Flash, not his run, but I just don't know how long his run has been. But we really enjoyed it at first for a while, and then mm-hmm. it, it ran into something. I don't know if it was a crossover or something. It was happened. when Wally came back. It got weird, and then it, it just, it's been mired in the, the post metal stuff has been the worst, and, and mired in the Strong Force, and the Sage Force, and the Speed Force, and that stuff's been terrible. So this book, I was halfway through it, I was like, this is. This is really good, and then and then I got to the parts where we were, we met James Jesse's parents, and they're really terribly overwritten, as as these sort of like mustache twirling you know bad parents. And then then in the middle they get interesting, and they, the book sort of pulls a fast one on you where you they're also they're sort of like low rent version of the of the Graysons. They were all circus performers and on a low rent trapeze act, and and you think they're sort of forcing this kid who hates. Who hates uh, heights and the, is not part of their troupe to go up into the and perform on the trapeze during a circus? So he's never done it before, and you're like, "That's weird. That would never, never happen." But then it's all revealed to be a trick because he's the trickster, and it's like, "Oh, that was that was a neat bit of construction." But the problem is, the parents were still written. The dialogue was so over the top, so it was a hard issue that I thought worked really well from a structural standpoint. And a story standpoint, but then some of the character stuff was just weird and over the top. But So I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to quit this book because I keep finding things to like about it. And uh, especially the Scott Collins art here, which looked great. Overall, it's just I'm, I'm struggling with The Flash because it was really good for so long and I just don't know what to do. That's why I left. Yeah, I get it. I totally I, understand. I, I
0: really think that the, the, you're right. But the thing is that Williamson, he buys into it. Like mm-hmm. he buys into the here's the DC event. This is what the red i will do that, I'll do that too. He goes into the the the, the doomsday clock thing. Yeah. Uh uh, you and know the he, button. He, he, yeah, the button. He dives into the metal, call, you know. Whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, he like he does that stuff. And I and I and I get that. I like that. Like that's the thing that he wants to be involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are sort of core superhero comic things. Those aren't our favorite things. I think that the <sighs> The thing about the Wally West coming back is that it's unsolvable.
1: Right, unless they go back to everything, unless they reset the timeline, which is yeah, what you're talked but then about it's, before.
0: But, but then you have the problem where the problem that you had solved by doing this is now back and you didn't do anything. So Wally West having a whole family, I mean to me the best choice would have been bring him back, make him be Wally from before that timeline, pretend that didn't happen. And instead he's now fixated on losing his family and there's no realistic outlet of that, that he's okay unless he gets his family back or you kill him. Right. That's that's the problem. And so then the core of what people liked about that character is dead. And it can't be resurrected if you're going to drag that baggage along with
1: you. And I think that's the mistake of that book. And I don't know if that's not his mistake or the Maybe mistake not. of the book. It's the problem that DC's in currently where they seem to want to hint that they wanted to return some things to the previous thing. And then they stopped doing that. But one mm-hmm. or two books kept doing that. It doesn't make any sense because it's only those one or two books. And then it's just, it's a mess. And that's, I think it's fallen a little bit on the flash, the book itself, to, to shoulder some of that mess. Yeah, no, that's true. But uh, but also at the same
0: time, like you can almost respect Williams for being like, I'll take that on. Oh, for sure. He's, he's you know, I, 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 re- I, I like that work, but like, like, I'll try to solve this. You know, Yeah, and I, and I, I don't want to
1: call him a company it. man because that's, that's used negatively, but it's sort of like that. Like I'll, anything you throw at me, I'll handle it. I love, I love that. Yeah. You know, that's what you're going. If you're going to go work there and do that, I really like the guys
0: who are like, "I won't. I'm going to do my own thing." But you know who does that? Jason Aaron does that. Yeah, Jason Aaron does that really well. You know, and I'm sure that he pushes back on stuff, and you don't see it except in the result of the books sort of going this way. But I, I like it. I respect it. I think it, I think it's cool. I just don't always want to read it, but I don't have to. It's not for me all the time.
1: So those are the books we're going to talk about this week in this light week, but if you also can go to patreon.com slash and join up there, and every patron who joins up can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the winner was Assassin Nation, number one, from Image Comics and Skybound, written by Kyle Starks with art by Erica Henderson, letters by Daron Bennett. So we've got another Kyle Starks book who's all quite very quietly got multiple things going on, which is was- well, this is the other one I was gonna say is that, you know, just like
0: Mark Russell. You and I sort of started reading Rock Candy Mountain. I don't remember if you read it before it was a patron pick. I think you might have. The first issue was patron pick. Right. I had been piling them up because I was like, this looks interesting, but I, I didn't read it. And then we had to read it. So I then got to read him, and I was like, oh, this is a thing I really like. And it's the same thing when he went to Mars Attacks, he's doing this. I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a cool new voice. And that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully you liked
1: this book. No, I mean, yeah, no, I like this. The only thing that was hard wasn't nothing to do with the book; it was just the, the digital problem is is the the first page is the assassins' rankings, the worldwide assassin uh-huh. rankings, and so you've got all these funny names of these characters, and they're all in the book. So, I kept wanting to flip back, uh-huh. which is easier when you have a physical book to just hold your finger in the page. And but here it was a annoyance because it was fun, you know. You see who's who's up and down and. And it's a funny idea that there's a website somewhere that keeps assassin rankings and uh-huh. and they have great names like Fuck Tarkington and, and my favorite one is Whistle Stan.
0: By the way, Fuck, that's Chris Schweitzer. I don't know if you, but there was a while where, where Schweitzer was way into wearing his overalls. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that's Chris Schweitzer. It was the guy who dragged Kyle Starks into making comics just for <laughs> those of paying attention. And he named him Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, this is one of those things where I think that uh, do we, I mean, basically, like, it's a story where a guy who is an assassin or former assassin drags all of the assassins into a room because somebody's trying to kill him. Well,
1: he's he's now the mob boss. He used to be the number right. one ranked assassin, who is now Fernando. Right. He's now a mob boss, and someone's trying to kill him, so he f- he figures he can hire the top 20 assassins to right. protect him, and he'll be safe. Because, first of all, none of them will kill him, and second of all, no one will know how to, how to stop an assassin better than the top 20. And, of course, it goes hor- horribly yeah. wrong when you put 20 top assassins in a room. Exactly. That's all you really need to know. Yeah. Now, I think if I had a criticism of the book, it would be
0: that from a distance, uh, if I was just looking about what this is, I was like, this feels like a comic book I've read a lot, or at least the kind of pitches that I've been seeing over the past few years. However, the quality of the writing, and to a certain extent the art, but not quite as much, is such that he he made it entertaining, basically. Mm-hmm. Like if it wasn't really well
1: written and really funny. In the way that it is, I don't think it would be very good. It's not a new idea, but he has such interesting and funny characters here that it works. Um, And people die unexpectedly, and people you think are not going to die, die. People you think would die, you know, survive the whole massacre. And I really thought this was a lot of fun. I didn't love it, and I thought his voice was turned down a little bit. Really? If I read Mars Attacks and Rock Candy Mountain to get, I would know that the same person was involved in that book. Here, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily know this was a Kyle Starks book.
0: There's a joke on page one where he's like, you know what they call me? Chekhov's gun. You know why? And the guy's like, yeah, I get it. And then he explains He's like, I said I got it. I love that. Because I was like, yes, I get it. Please don't explain it to me. I know why you have to explain it to me. Okay. That's a fine.
1: <laughs> use of three plan for Three panels. <laughs> it was good. I mean, I really like this. I, I don't want to discount it.
0: There's the cliche joke of you know like the one little girl sitting there looking at her phone. It's like, what right. are you doing? And then, like through the end, you're like, oh, she's gonna be the most badass, and she is. Yeah. You know, stuff like this. <laughs> Fernando Pendejo, who is <laughs> sort of like a, an amped up version of if you, if you uh, mix John Turturro's character from The Big Lebowski with um with what's his name?
1: Little country old man.
0: No, not him uh the danny trejo oh yeah yeah yeah, machete in fact he's literally in, in yeah machete uh, he's literally i've been teaching myself spanish with an app on my phone by the way mm. yeah but i can't do it in anything other than like bad announcer voice <laughs> and it's a problem <laughs> <laughs>
1: es mujer. okay stop <laughs> <laughs> um this is fun though it, i mean really there's the story isn't anything more than we told you we don't know what's gonna happen next because someone is still trying to kill this guy but a lot of the assassins are now dead and so we'll see. Which is also a space-saving measure. Like, oh, yeah. look at all these cool characters.
0: We can't work with this many for this long, so
1: we're going to kill a lot of them, but that was fun. So there's, I guess, eight left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, if you count the twins as one. I'm just glad Wistful Stan is still alive, and he's only an assassin of people in old folks' homes, so he's an old guy doesn't really have any skills. Than... I, think, I think I said something that was awesome, by the way.
0: I think I said something earlier that was a little disparaging of the art, Mm-hmm. you did and i'm going through it again and what i'd like to note is that uh the sound effects are i think they're all on the board yeah. whether that's digitally or whatever and i love it and then there's one where three guys get shot through the head with one bullet yes. and the sound effect is trauma yeah like the trauma like the movies yes cap or with a hyphen d on the end of it and it's rendered as brains with eyes and it's wonderful
1: it looks kind of like toxic avenger the eye yeah yeah well that's yeah it did the it, it, but the rest brains, with the brains being blown yeah. out on the side of each letter. It's, I, I think the, the Erica Henderson came from Marvel. She did Squirrel Girl. She, she's it's good. Oh wow,
0: that's a that's a change of pace. Yeah. You know what?
1: I'm taking it back. I do like the art. I, you know what? One of the things is that
0: I have a preview PDF here right now, and it's really low res, so it doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that helps. It's a good book. It's fun.
1: I really liked it. So let's do ratings on ratings assassination. Not assassination nation, which some people wrote in for Devote. vote. Assassination number one out of five. I'm going to give it a four. I'm also going to give it a four. Are you sticking with it?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, I I will. Cool. We'll see how long the the premise and the and the tone stays interesting, but
1: yeah. I imagine it's probably a mini. I mean, all things, yeah. are, all comics are mini series. Yeah,
0: yes, everything from images and mini series until they are
1: Yeah, so I imagine it's probably six issues, and we'll see. It'll be fun. So there you go, patreon.com slash iFanboys, where you can go and vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it to the $5 or higher level, we will give you your very own superpower live on the show. And I'm very annoyed because I was at the gym yesterday in the middle of a class and I thought of a really good, weird power and it made me uh-huh. laugh to myself. And I was like, that, this is great. And then I don't remember what it was. Well, that may or may not be better than the feeling that I just had
0: was, <laughs> oh, right, patron powers,
1: <laughs> which
0: was, you know, oh. Uh, and then the thing is, though, You're not supposed to use the name to choose the power, but a lot of times the name gives you your first, like, prompt. Sure. So, Zach Walton uh, up here, he has the power to uh, retroactively insert himself as an extra in any television show of the past. (laughs) If he's watching something, maybe he's Mm -hmm. on Netflix, he's like, I like that show, I wish I was in it. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you see him there, either at the restaurant, walking by on the street, and that's permanent. goes across all... Uh, forms of media, all recorded versions. He's in there, then he's especially visible. Also, he gets <laughs> gets the day rate when he does that. <laughs> oh, wow! But it's only it's only the day rate for the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if he inserts himself into into you know uh, in the end in, in the of the show, he gets like twenty bucks. If he inserts himself into the nineties, he gets about a hundred.
1: It's an extra rate, so it's not like he's making yeah. money here. He would have to. put in He's himself not getting residuals. There's no, 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 there's no, no, back. no, 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 no. He's getting extra rate. Yeah. Yep. Adam Poffenberger. Great name. This is actually, and I thought of this before our discussion earlier today, Josh, mm-hmm. but this is related to what we were talking about offline earlier. Adam Poffenberger, his lists are always definitive and inarguable. Oh, wow. So when he says this is the top five bands of all time, you hear it and you go, yeah, okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know, he... Um... He'd get nowhere on the internet. He'd be the <laughs> worst person to hire for the listicle job,
1: unfortunately. Right. It's it's sort of a gift and a curse at the same time. Here's the top 50 superheroes of all time. And you'd be like – you'd like open your mouth to argue and you'd go, ah, no. No, he's got it. He's right. Perfect. Adam I feel like I have that power, but I guess
0: everyone does. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks
1: they all have that power, but he yeah. actually has it,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Chris Bishop has a power that is currently forming – Uh, In my brain right now. Um, (laughs) Chris Bishop has has the power to never say the wrong thing. Mm. You know when you're talking and you don't know what to say – and you can spit something out, and it's it, this is the this is the the formulation of every sitcom that's ever been, or bad sure. spy movie that they say the wrong thing. Chris never says the wrong thing, even right. if he has to make it up at the last second and blurt something out. He has one of those sort of good luck, bad luck powers, you know.
1: Right, he's like he's like he, long shot, but verbal, yes. verbal long right. shot. He's,
0: he's a verbal long shot. He doesn't say the wrong thing. Never puts his foot in his mouth. Never in, just I, it, say this. Your phone rings, number you don't recognize. For some reason, you decide to pick it up because every once in a while you're like, maybe this is a thing that isn't worthless. It never is. You put the phone. Hello, is this Chris Bishop? He knows that whether he says yes or no, it's not going to be the wrong thing. Right. Like, he, like that's – it saves him in that way. Uh, or or, or oh, I was going to use a hacky joke and I decided not to. <laughs> Do you like my artwork? He can, he, he's going he's gonna to blurt something out, but it's going to be the right thing.
1: It's a good power. There's there's no accidental uh, insults. It's good. That's very good. Names? Have you met Jim? (laughs) Correct. Yes. (laughs) The uh, singularly and mysteriously named Adam, his power is that. He's the first man. When he's in need of advice, Mm -hmm. uh, he can conjure up Sean Connery's Malone character from The Untouchables. Now, here's the problem. (laughs) I'm already. I'm seeing the problem. <laughs> His advice is only really good for living in 1920 Chicago. Like it's very mm-hmm. hard-boiled cop David Mamet advice from that period of time. So he has it. He has advice, not necessarily uh, advice you want to follow. It often involves, you know, you bring a gun.
0: I've been uh, trying to get through the customer support, and I can't get the money. But You go down there, and you crack them in the face. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what he nope. – the kind of advice Adam gets. You did what? I tried to fuck the prom queen. That was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> so Zach, Adam – Chris and Adam. I didn't realize there was two Adams this week. Thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboys, where you can go $5 higher level, get your own superpower – or any level you can vote to add the patron pick to the rundown. He said fuck
0: the prom queen in a different movie.
1: Yes, that was not. And I was confused. A... I was
0: like, was that really the wrong thing to say? And then I was like, no, that was on the rock. It's still <laughs> wrong,
1: but I just want to give people context for people who think that I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do an email or two. Ryan M. from Cincinnati, Ohio says, I've been thinking about this for less than two hours since getting caught up on the last two Pick a Week podcasts. and missed... This was uh, a... <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, so it's not necessarily of the last two we did. His first question. When you were talking about the heyday of Vertigo, it made me wonder, what's Horse's role in the current comics market? Over the past several years, they lost Star Wars, Buffy, and Conan, and BPRD Hellboy output is minimal. Can a whole company survive on Burgerverse, Black Hammer, and Aliens?
0: I mean, I'm sure Mike Richardson's asking him that same question every
1: day. Um, I, a good question. Uh, I will say that... Dark Horse is a company. I actually don't wonder about Dark Horse. I wonder more about IDW. But uh, Dark Horse is a company, from what I was told from someone who definitely knows, that makes way the vast majority of its money through licensed art books and big hardcover like video game stuff. So they f- they found a niche as sort of a. Prestige publisher of that kind of thing. The comics are good, and Black Hammer is clearly a phenomenon in terms Stand of at least the, the number of books they put out related to it. I mean, which which leads you to believe that they're selling enough that they're going to keep they're keeping you making them. Right, but I'm I was told pretty definitively about a year ago that they make most of their money on on uh, licensed uh, art and video games, and books. that makes sense. Yeah. I would also dispute the idea that the
0: BPRD help way is minimal. I feel like it's. Feel pretty heavy feel steady yeah I don't think it's it's gone down at all we, we don't tend to talk about it a lot anymore because it uh for whatever reason but you stopped reading it I mean yeah there you go that's that's the for whatever reason <laughs> I mean you're right but yeah I mean I think previously they they were making money from Star Wars Buffy
1: and Conan how much who knows don't know.
0: yeah uh and it's funny because you just, uh, yeah
1: I don't, I don't know I, I mean I think that's the answer The thing about really. entertainment companies And publishers and things Is that You don't necessarily always know How they make their money It's not always in the most visible way Yes And so you may okay. think Oh no They're not doing Star Wars books anymore But maybe they never You know Maybe that wasn't the majority of their income We don't know Maybe it was But this it's, necessarily the weekly comics It's the most You know Marvel and DC Don't make most of their money Off their weekly comics output Definitely not They make baseball. most of their money From licensing And from collected editions mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to remember Let's do the second question You were talking about Terry Moore and you worked on the digital comic side. Could a writer with that much back catalog that he owns the rights to create his own digital platform? I was thinking for those who wanted to catch up on everything before the five years book, it would be convenient and most money would go straight to the creator. Is that possible? Are digital comics owned by the digital company so you couldn't put them on multiple platforms? Is Terry Moore the only creator who could do this? Uh, There's a whole lot of no's to answer this. I don't think
0: it's a bad question. I mean, the 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 main answer was I mean, for no. He's not the only creator.
1: There's lots of people have lots of creator-owned stuff. Robert Kirkman, if he really wanted to, could go do. Everybody, that. In Image owns their books, so they can. Yeah, there's probably digital releases uh, in their contract. Like, however, Image probably has the rights to that. There are certain
0: places where natural monopolies develop, um, and at this point, it's Comixology, mm-hmm. um, which is owned by Amazon. There was earlier an attempt uh, we were part of some of it to sort of diversify that market and then some of the dark horse notably went to make their own platform image has a i don't know if they're still doing it the direct pdf purchasing i don't know know. but that was a thing There was you know uh, drm free pdfs that you could buy of all their books digitally but really comiXology became the the vessel for all that stuff that goes through it now they don't take any ownership of anything unless they produce it but i'm sure they take a cut of sales yeah they do yeah, they'd have to. <laughs> you yeah. know, there'd, there'd be no reason to be there. Uh, they're providing uh, several services to that justify their their thing. A, they're giving a storefront to everybody. B, there is actual work that goes into cutting up comics and making them available for devices, both for guided view and just to reformat the files. Um, and three, they're hosting all that stuff. It's a massive amount of um, information now. They're owned by Amazon, who owns all that cloud storage anyway. But those are all real things. So that's that's a
1: valid. Valid. Book. I mean, a guy like Terry Moore could theoretically make all of his books into PDFs and sell them directly on his website, but I don't know that that would be all that. Profitable. It wouldn't be worth his time. Yeah, it wouldn't. It,
0: it, it's it's there's there's not yeah there's not a market for that kind of thing to the extent that I think would make it worth it for him to the return on investment there would be kind of low.
1: I mean, as it is, comics is a small market, and so. These things tend to contract into into one or two you know points of and, entry, and you, and you don't want several
0: apps for all your comics. You want them to all be in one place in one app that you have that is always sort of the same.
1: Like I, I understand the impulse to want all the money to go directly to Terry Moore, not thirty percent go to Amazon for sure. Mm-hmm. And I understand the impulse well, I, th- to I go. I think more. No, because I, I, my book went out through uh, okay. Comicsology only, and I think it was only about. If
0: that. you if you if you put a Kindle book through the Kindle store,
1: they take a lot of it. Like yeah, it's, no, it's, it's Comicsology is not it's not an onerous uh, number, right? And maybe forty, no. but I don't think it's more than that. Um, yeah, 30 or something like that. I also understand the impulse to just want to go to one place to find all of Terry Moore's books so that you can catch up on them. Totally, like mm-hmm. it'd be really easy to just be like Terry Moore's got a website; you can buy all of his books there if you want to. But I, uh, the work, especially for someone like him, it just doesn't. It just doesn't.
0: Yeah. Also, it's not worth it. you know, the, then the other thing is that in terms of discoverability, he's probably safer being on a larger platform because it behooves. Yep. It behooves Comicsology to promote that stuff, and they're going to give it far more reach and have more flexibility in the way that they present it than Terry Moore would on his own. He would pretty much have to rely on word of mouth, and by putting in Comicsology, it's already in every digital comic reader's. They're, they're already halfway there. Right. You know, like you're in the you're in the door. You're, you've walked onto the lot. It's still not easy. It's not easy to sell comics because the you know, the other problem, is the same as Amazon is there is everything. There's a, there, every single thing is available at once. How do you choose? How do you stand out, you know? You got to find your audience. He has to market that too, but the one-two punch of it is probably going to be more effective.
1: Yeah. Let's do a quick question from, from Hussein A from Toronto, Canada. I'm going to see 2 next week and I'll be is that next week. I'll be conducting some interviews. I was wondering if you had any tips to help me formulate some great questions to generate a fun conversation. Ooh. I'm guessing this is mostly for me? Well, no cuz we we all did we he did, did the con- short convention form. interviews for yep. years at shows and That's I will right. just say one of my least favorite contents we did because convention interviews are difficult. They are yeah. chaotic. You don't get a lot of time, especially mm-hmm. these days they're getting interviewed by a thousand people with blogs and uh-huh. YouTube shows and they tend to get asked the same five questions over and over again. They also comic creators are tough because they can't because the comics industry acts like it's the CIA and they can't talk about anything they're working on. Yeah.
0: But that's a good point. That's actually I feel like that can be a strength in terms of finding a
1: direction. Right. So when you ask them, "Hey, t- can you tell us about your new book?" they basically say no other than the basic information you can mm-hmm. find online. So it's it's a tough it's a tough road when you go to a comic convention to do interviews on the floor. Uh, you got to find I would say look for an angle that doesn't involve Questions that you're going to get. No, I can't talk about it as the as the answer because that's going to be most of your answers if you if you ask them about the work they, they're doing. Yeah, I mean, this is like,
0: how do you keep it fun? Well, are you fun when you talk to people? Do people like to talk to you? Do you come off as an intelligent? You know, like like you you want to make them want to talk. You want to have a conversation with somebody. This is always my thing. Is it first of all, I mean, I do long form interviews now for the most part. I don't prepare for them. I don't mean to be like – like I think before it's coming up, I think of like, well, what are the kind of themes I want to touch? But then I have a conversation. With the short form, you need to have a little bit – you need to know what you're going to say before you get there. It's a different interview, yeah. Yes, it is. But like think about what it is that you want to talk about and what everybody else might be asking them and what it is about talking to you that is a little bit different about that. Like if like to me, it's all about con- – the short form video interview – I don't know if he said video. He didn't say it, but I'm just saying Okay, short did. form either audio or video really is – what's the best thing that you're going to highlight there well the best thing that you're going to highlight for us always was like who is this person what's their personality what would it be like to hang out with them and how does that translate to me wanting to read their books or talk about them like that is the the thing and so that you know the the friendlier you are with people the the more engaged they are i always hate the interviews where like the person talking to you was so practiced that they just gave you stock answers they gave you that that sort of um that presser. But
1: that's kind of what you get on the floor, though, because it's such a yeah, but it's so chaotic. It's, it's different than doing what you do in talks. it's just yeah, yeah. You know. But but it is really. But I was still going for the same goal in
0: both of those things, mm-hmm. and so that's the challenge. You're not always going to get that, but sometimes you will. And you know, it's like anything too. Practice. You know, you'll learn what not to ask and what not to say. Don't ask closed-ended questions where okay. you're giving them an option to say yes or no, and then you have to think of something else immediately. Right. Uh, you're talking to creative people who don't actually get that much attention outside of these things. So talk to them about things that you think there's going to excite them. And so if you know about their work and you can bring up things like, I've seen this, this theme, I've seen the way that you work on this is differently or, you know, but also like at the same time, avoid like, where'd you come up with that idea? You know, like, like what is, what do you always hear? You know? And, and then finally, Ah, uh, when you post these wherever you post them, do not put in the headline "so and so sits down with" or "so and so chats with" because I'm tired of it. But that's that's different. <laughs> is, is that a thing? Ah, uh, it's it's like we sit down with or we oh, chat with. Yeah. Like it's just always the exact same, and like mm-hmm. we can do better. They just don't say anything. Sprite their fucking name.
1: <laughs> so have a good time. Me. Have a have a good time. Yeah. If you're having a good time, they'll have a good time. Hopefully, and and uh, you know, just do your best. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sorry, one more bit I, I, I think of, I thought about we think about this all the time but like this is stupid but like be cool like,
1: just, <laughs> be, be, like, be, be professional don't, don't waste their time yeah, because they're, 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 they're there to, they're there to sell books and they're there to you know, make money people who have like artist alley tables or whatever so don't but, don't waste their time and, yeah, know, but this is, like, in and out. A, in and out
0: when you said professional is a thing but like also like if you come off too much like a fan like it's weird for people you know, like, like if you're too, oh my God, I'm so excited. I love your work. I was, this is, you know, like talk to them, you know, pe- the friends don't do that. You know, sure. like it, there's just, there's, there's just a way to voice it and it's really hard to specify how you do it. But like, you, it's just almost like you don't have to be, you have to be happy to see them, but you, but you don't have to be super impressed by them. You know, you, you have to engage them like humans, engage them like humans. That's my, that's my overall thing. <laughs> engage that's like my it.
1: platform. That's not that's what, you, what I stand for. Well, you kind of stand for it. I do, I do. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you can write us in. Thanks, Hussein and to Ryan. Uh quick couple of plugs and announcements. We did the Captain Marvel show. That happened last week. We, Me and Josh and Ryan talked about the film. We enjoyed it. You can find that discussion uh, behind the two previous episodes. So two episodes back, you can find our discussion of Captain Marvel. We'll be back next month for a whole slew more of uh, special editions as uh, three new films hit the cineplexes next month. Absolutely.
0: I feel like I want another I want another, I want another go with that. Got to Marvel? Not that it
1: was, yeah, not that
0: it was bad, but I just feel like I left things out. Well, these happen. We didn't talk about I, some things. My rating,
1: you know, I think that's the same. but We but, didn't talk uh, about the ratings. We did. We, let, we forgot to do that part.
0: Right, but my personal rate, like the way that I thought about it, I think, is still there. I will say that since we did that, I have come around more on Brie Larson because she seems to really enjoy having played a superhero. And I love that when the actors are like that after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris, Chris Evans is a really good example of that. Right. I'm really happy to have been a superhero. The way that Sam Jackson was happy about having been a Jedi. Right. There was a talk explode recently uh, with a guy I like a lot, Joe Caramagna. We talked about his career in comics. Known primarily as a, a letterer, but he's also a artist, cartoonist. He's a writer. He writes a great deal of uh, licensed uh, all-ages books and, and then some creator-owned stuff that he made up all on his own. Really interesting guy. Really good guy. You know, it's one of the, like, oh, he's a really good guy. You should interview him. He's a good starter interview. Uh, he's peppy. Um, there is a uh, book explode coming soon. Uh, there's there has to be for this month. We we yes. guaranteed it. We I don't
1: know that we've ever gone back and forth for so long on trying no. to choose a. I think at one point it was three different books we were going to do this month, and we kept changing it. We finally settled on one, and we're going to stay it so that we have to do it. Yeah. Soon we're going to be doing the DC essential edition of JLA the new world order.
0: Um we talk about this book a lot. This is Grant Morrison and Howard Porter's returning the JLA to greatness. This is the
1: book that brought me back into comic books. So this is the first 9 issues and plus I think yep. a secret file. The new world order storyline I think it's three or four issues, but this is the first 9. The March. Yeah, so we'll be talking about that and that'll be coming out in the next 2 weeks, maybe next week. We haven't just, we haven't recorded it yet, obviously, but uh, you can look for that very soon. Probably yeah. probably it's, in a week. <laughs> It's
0: interesting because like I don't remember a lot of stuff, but I'm like Batman in issue three. That was 22 years ago, and I'm Batman <laughs> in issue three. Like that is a thing. Big moment. You know, a sta- it's a big moment. Snake Eyes in, in GI Joe 27. Is it? 21 was the silent 21. issue. Is okay, you know like there's certain things that you remember. You know like like uh, Wolverine and Hulk 151, or you know,
1: right. you
0: know uh, and that's that's one of those issues. You know that's an all time, and I think that we've talked about this for so long, and and you know. I think it'll be a good time.
1: So look for that very soon in the next two weeks. In the meantime, head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find, figure out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking us at facebook.com slash iFanboy and following us at iFanboy on Twitter. And as we mentioned last week, our newest edition at ifanboy comics on Instagram, where we not only announce the pick of the week, but we also do best of the week in panels. We've returned that feature. We used to do that on the website. Now it's happening on Instagram. You can find that happening there at ifanboy comics on Instagram. Also, individually, at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at CSK Patrick on Instagram. We never really coordinated to have the same kind of nomenclature in our handle, but we did it.
0: Yeah, I had to because Jay Flanagan or Josh Flanagan wasn't available. So I also like my initials. Sure. Like the peanut butter bit with an A.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Information no one needed. If you, this is why podcasting is wrong. If you dig the show, you like this, you can write a review or leave a star rating on iTunes or anywhere that you rate that kind of thing. Again, I don't want you to just do it for us, although I would like that. But do it for other shows that you like. It really means a big deal, especially up-and-comers, uh, things like that. It's the same thing with you know Amazon reviews and things like that. But iTunes is the place that you do that for comic books. Better yet, you know, really the more direct method is tell people about it, share it on social media, do those kind of things when you like an episode, let people know or um, things like that. <laughs> Introduce people to our show. I don't think it's so inside that a new person can't come on because people keep coming on and going which is good at this point now I I think well the people who are listening 13 years ago probably aren't all still listening probably not even most of them but there are there are plenty of them so uh, you know that still helps that that going and I think that's about it that'll 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 wrap up this show that'll do pig turns out we're still able to go quite over even with very few books
1: and I think that's (laughs) largely my fault Eh, these things happen yeah it's true Well, until next week. One other thing to say. Okay. Until next week, I've got her.
0: I'm Josh, and I do not have the power of always saying the right thing.
1: Definitely.